0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Bantam newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going. So please support us by signing up for a Bantam membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community, and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. We will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of the Balancer Roundtable podcast. Uh, Guys, how are you this morning?
1: Doing great Ben, thanks. How are you? Doing
0: Awesome. Um, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I like you guys. I must be, you must be somewhat upset about the, the Virginia res-
2: result. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually live here, so I'm not, thrilled. Yeah. Not, not thrilled. I just, I just
1: saw a number 800,000 fewer Democrats voted, uh, this time wow. than did last year. That's not, that's not a good sign. That's no, not encouraging. Especially when I've been screaming about, uh, Making sure we uh, outnumber and out hustle the Republicans. That's probably not the direction we want to be going in. Certainly, right? It is not,
0: Well, This is your piece this week. Uh, you know, this is obviously this is the major story of the week, right? It's the, the yeah, uh, yeah. The Virginia election, and you, and you published a piece this week, which is um, I think right on the money, actually. And it well, yeah. isn't. What they need to get what? Are the, what do the Democrats need to get better at? They need to get better at. There's one thing that we need to do, and it's, it's yeah, important. obviously, yeah.
1: We've been talking a lot about it. every time this happens, every time there's a, a bad election for us, we talk about oh my god, why oh why doesn't the Democratic Party do better with messaging? And I've been really thinking about that gripe and and the dynamics of it um, in recent uh, months and years, and uh, the the way where I've landed is. I'm sick and tired of waiting for this one entity to do better on messaging. What I would really rather do is have the Democratic Party worry about financing campaigns and getting uh, candidates out there, pushing them out there, supporting them financially. And uh, also, you know, there's an image thing that they have to keep in mind. But by and large, That's what the Democratic Party should be doing. What the rest of us should be doing is taking a look at how the Republicans are organizing their message. And what I've determined is that all messaging now is happening, well, not all of it, but a a considerable portion of it is happening at the grassroots level. Specifically, what I'm talking about on the Republican side is they have a hugely well-financed on-the-ground messaging apparatus, infrastructure, whatever you want to call it, that supports uh, podcasters and, and uh, authors, uh, certainly uh, radio personalities, uh, uh, TV networks, on down, even down to uh, slush funds for legal defense for all of the above. You know what I mean? There is a massive infrastructure for supporting the what I've been calling the Red Hat Entertainment Complex. And that's where all of their messaging is coming from. And if you look at the dynamics between that and the National Party and certainly Republicans on the Hill, uh, national political leaders like Donald Trump, in a lot of ways, the Red Hat Entertainment Complex is fueling the messaging for the party, not the other way around. They're not waiting around for the RNC to issue some sort of... uh, you know, a, a, you know, like Moses coming down from the, the mountaintop with a tablet saying, here, you say this now. That's not happening. It's in the reverse of that. So consequently, because they have this well-financed organization in terms of uh, this entertainment complex, and I'm using, using that phrase, you know, sort of loosely because there's, it's more than just entertainment. But suffice to say, what we see as a consequence of that is we're always seeing the bulk book sales. We're seeing uh, Red Hat authors in the top 10 bestseller lists and so on. And they're in there artificially in a lot of ways uh, because they are oh, well Oh, it's completely
2: AstroTurf.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And then what you see is, uh, for example, on Facebook, where the top 10 most viewed uh, posts on pages on Facebook are always, I mean, wall-to-wall, every single one of the top 10. Maybe Rachel Maddow will pop up in there once in a while, but the top 10 always, uh, you know, Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino, the Daily Wire guys and so on, they're occupying the top 10 slots on Facebook. You look at the top 20 uh, most downloaded podcasts on Apple Podcasts in the politics vertical. uh, uh, The majority is uh, the Red Hats, you know, uh, the same people that I was just listing uh, in that category. So um, what that says to me is they have this machine going on, which, you know, we have a little bit of it, but we're falling behind, certainly in the digital space. We should liberals. Democrats should be owning the digital space. We're the younger demographic in a general sense. Republicans tend to skew a little bit older. They've got the AM talk radio thing sewn up because older people tend to listen to radio more often than younger people. But we always emerged, especially in Blogosphere 1.0, the left emerged as as being synonymous with digital messaging, and we've lost that. We've lost that advantage big time, uh, yeah. certainly over the last four or five years, uh, going back to, you know, Donald Trump going down the escalator in 2015. Uh, In that process, these guys have been able to really uh, occupy all of these slots. And I think what we need to do, and this is what I was writing about uh, uh, this week for the banter, is we need to uh, figure out a way to get our grassroots communication uh, machine off the ground, get it well financed, get the bulk book sales if we have to, things like that. Uh, and we can all do better when it comes to this. We can all support uh, more Facebook pages, or you know, I hate to promote Facebook, but you know what I mean. Just in general, in a, right. a general sense, uh, social media, uh, supporting more podcasts like this one, um, yes, and on us. down support the line, us. you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no, I I, I agree. Look, here, here is a, here's a question though um, about the what type of media. We the left is, is sort of engaged in right because I do think look one of the criticisms that I that I hear constantly um, is that you know basically the other side they hate us right they the Republicans they hate Democrats yeah. the whole MAGA movement is about owning the libs right it's about owning kind of elitist snob snobby liberals and I do here's what I will say right I do think that there is a there is a slight disconnect between the what voters want um what the general voter wants and what you know uh your very bright educated college graduate um working for the you know working for a democrat but wants for the for the for the country right you know so yeah. if you that's why i think joe biden got elected i think joe biden got elected was because he was able to build a broad coalition uh, he did appeal to kind of blue collar workers. He was very popular with, you know, African Americans, um, and for I think that, that for a reason, right? He because he had this kind of old school Democrat vibe, you know. Out of the out of the entire roster of Democrats in two thousand and twenty, mm-hmm. Biden was the kind of the most old school blue collar type of a of, of a candidate, and I think that you know the media um if we have lots more i don't think more vox is going to help the situation right they they hate like vox is basically it almost encapsulates what what republicans and the maga mob hate about democrats yeah. Like, intelligent, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah like, yeah
0: everything that, you know what i mean it, it, so so i wonder what you know what does that look like what does this new media landscape look like and 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 where do we need to be careful about those kind of things
1: yeah yeah well I, obviously i'm not so concerned about whatever the uh, republicans might think of this messaging machine in fact if they're more pissed off by it it's fine uh, it's fine with me I think the Democrats, as a party, and you talk about where the messaging machine goes off the rails for the the National Party itself is when they try too hard to win over Republican voters. And by and large, those Republican voters have gone bye-bye. There's no convincing them the, they're well indoctrinated into the Trump Republican cult. that is, fait accompli there's no bringing them back but there are swing voters there are still uh, plenty of swing voters who can be convinced who can be swayed um but i think in order to get to those swing voters we need greater organization at the base level if you know what i mean like you know we're talking about center left on down to the progressive movement uh some unified voices you know look i have this um idea of of how Uh, the political machine ought to work in this country as far as, uh, well, let's just take the the Democrats as an example here, where everyone has their specific role. We're putting on a show for voters, right, in a sense. And I hate to use that euphemistic kind of way of uh, describing it, but suffice to say, when it comes to messaging, that's what it is. It's kind of a show. It's got, we're delivering you a message that will motivate you emotionally into doing X and Y. And so if we're all putting on a show, the way you put on a show is you don't have one person doing everything. You don't have the national party doing every last thing from screaming on social media to passing legislation on the Hill to approving uh, primary candidates at the state level to run for the state legislature and so on. That's a lot of different things. And that tends to dilute the efforts of that particular entity, in this case, the Democratic Party. So what I feel as though we ought to focus on is making sure everyone has their little roles, their little assignments in the show. And for example, those of us who have podcasts or uh, write for newsletters on Substack, we're at a certain level. We do like all of the screaming in the trenches, right? Uh, Yelling at Republicans, trying to rally Democrats to a certain cause, trying to rally uh, similarly minded ideological people to a certain point of view. And um, what I want is for us to continue doing that job, but not to expect Chuck Schumer to do that job. I want Chuck Schumer to focus on whipping more Democratic votes in the Senate. I want Chuck Schumer to focus on passing legislation, approving judges, uh, uh, negotiating with hothead a-holes like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to get them on board. I don't want him wasting his time on social media or doing a podcast, for God's sake. So that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about. We shouldn't expect Chuck Schumer to do what Rachel Maddow does. Rachel Maddow is on her own level with other similarly minded, uh, you know, cable news people, uh, opinion, thought leaders, influencers, whatever you want to call them. So we all have our jobs to do in this. And if we can figure out a way to organize all of that and have some sort of level of coordination between the different levels, the different roles, I think we can do a lot better. Uh, And, and what that requires is for all of us to spend maybe a little less time screaming into the void and a little more time, uh, participating in a way that, that makes a difference, that spreads the message that we want to spread. And, uh, and certainly I understand (laughs) that the Democratic Party, the left, is a gigantic tent. And we have upwards of 82 million chefs in the kitchen. Uh, one of the differences between the left and the right is we all think on the left that we each individually have the, the, you know, the golden ticket, the, the silver bullet that's going to sol- solve all of our problems, rather than some sort of unified voice on X or Y. And we just I, again, the, to summarize all of this, uh, instead of sitting on our hands and waiting for the National Party to do this or that, or waiting for the news media to finally find its conscience or whatever, we're going to be waiting forever. Why don't we avail ourselves of this technology, avail ourselves of our own voices and take the messaging wars on ourselves and do a little more ourselves to get that going? And that may require obviously, uh, seeking out financiers. We've got all of, we've got Hollywood money backing us. We've got Hollywood creativity and, uh, you know, aptitude for performance at our disposal. <laughs> we need to gather that. We need to harness that. And, uh, and similar, obviously similar, uh, arenas too. It's not just Hollywood, but, uh, I think if we can do that, we can, uh, certainly make some headway And not have to suffer through instances like we did uh, this past Tuesday, where even though the Republicans have no reason to have any success whatsoever after what has happened over the past five, six years, there's no reason why the Republicans uh, should have done as well as they did uh, on Tuesday. It should have been a disaster for them, given the litany of just Oh, my God. Hundreds of thousands. Of, we'll start with hundreds of thousands of uh, COVID victims uh, deaths because of Donald Trump's incompetence and the Republican enabling of all of that. Then the insurrection and, and, and on down the line. Um, if we can harness this uh, messaging machine, do a better job at the grassroots level, I think uh, it's, it's very difficult for them to get away with stuff like that again.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think I agree. agree. I 100% agree with that. I mean, you know, it's like, a, I think the media's role in all of this. I think, you know, so at the banter, for example, I feel like, you know, it's not, I don't think it's it's our role to get Democrats elected, but I think it's our role to try to explain what is happening, right? If, if that makes sense, right? So, um, and I think a lot of media companies seem to miss what's happening right Justin you talk a lot about this right It actually you know this brings us onto your article
2: all the time uh,
0: (laughs) about about you know what's been happening in, in Montana and the whole both sides narrative right which is immensely frustrating and I feel like you know that we've done a lot of this work at the banter where we have tried to not say hey, go out and you know vote for this person or that person. Or, or although, yeah, I have explicitly said please vote for Joe Biden because otherwise the end of uh, <laughs> we're at the end of the American democracy. So I don't know if you want to call that advocacy or just common sense, but I feel like it's like common sense, right? It's like it can be both. It, <laughs> yeah, you, you, we, we're we're trying to explain what is happening. This culture that we've we, we've arrived at this weird dynamic and this weird intersection of politics and media where the media just follows this this narrative. it's it's every time there's an election right it's over and over and over and over and over again and justin this brings us to your piece uh in about about what's happening in montana where you're essentially seeing um uh this whole both sides of narrative the media is just fallen into this whole you know both sides just bad. well it's clearly not both sides are not just as bad right i'm not i wouldn't be saying elect democrats because you know i'm I'm a shill i'm saying it because there's a fascist movement on the on the right that's about to that wants to overthrow democracy and they did try to overthrow democracy on january 6th we've seen that happen so this is they're still trying they're, they're still trying to do it so it's not like Again, you know, you don't have to be I'm not a I'm not a fan of the Democratic Party. If it were if it were if the opposition were kind of a normal party, I'd feel a lot more latitude to kind of say, okay, Democrats suck in in in, the, in X, Y, or Z, you know, Z. But right now it's like there there are no two sides. There isn't one side versus left versus right. It's it's there are Democrats versus monkeys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, come on, monkeys are cute. Monkeys are <laughs> cute, it's exactly. Yeah, Justin, Mon- you, you you wrote about so, this. You wrote about so this. so I came across an article in the Washington Post, and and it 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 made my head explode. Um, the the name uh, the art the name of the article is uh, Montanans used to live and let live today bitter confrontations dim big sky country. And as soon as I saw the title, I, was, I knew exactly what I was in store for. It was going to be, oh my goodness, everyone's so angry and we don't know how it's happening. And it's—and I started reading it and that's exactly what I got. And at this point, like, you know, 10 years ago, both sides, the both-siderism thing was like, oh, come on, guys, really? You're still doing this crap? Are you serious? Now? it is a willful exercise in bullshit because you cannot look at and it's not even two sides at this point there are multiple sides it's you're looking at republicans who rejected trump right but they don't want to you know they don't want to become democrats but they they're not they're not trumpists and those people are still opposed to the maga movement and you have Democrats and you have independents and then you have the MAGAs right so you've got roughly four sides here and of those four sides only one of them is going out there and whipping up absolute hate and rage and causing violence and and it's just threatening people and it's domestic terrorism and the other three are not engaged in this in any degree and somehow According to this article, it's all sides. It's both sides. We don't know how it's happening. We don't understand why Montana is no longer civil, why it's no longer peaceful. We don't know how it happened. And the article takes great pains to explain nothing. It just throws it all out there as if it's all equivalent. Um, So, one example of this is um, one of the part of the article uh, is about. Um, In a particular town, nine teenagers have committed suicide in 16 months, and everyone in the town is getting – it's a small town, so that's a huge amount of teenagers. And everyone's getting really upset, and you've got three different arguments about why this is happening. You've got – the magas are complaining about a lack of dress codes and discipline. They're complaining about masks and pandemic restrictions. And then you have the other side, which is easy access to firearms. Now, the lack of dress codes and discipline, I, I wasn't even aware that was a thing. Like, I hadn't heard that. I mean, I know the right is always complaining about you have to have dress codes and more discipline. But I wasn't, a, I wasn't aware that was like a really big thing for them. And I hadn't heard before that that supposedly increases teen suicide. It doesn't, right? There's nothing, there's no study anywhere that supports that. But apparently the right totally says that's a real thing. Um, And I had to go look for that. And I had to go look on some right-wing websites. And that's a thing they believe completely unsupported by any reality. And then there's the masks and pandemic restrictions, which the right has been saying for over a year is increasing suicides. That is also not supported by reality. And the actual opposite is true. They went and they researched that, right? That's been researched all over the world because they kind of assumed that that's what would happen, right? People are wearing masks, they have to stay home, they're their isolation. They assumed there would be an increase in suicide, and that did not happen. Um And they were really surprised by those findings, but it has been studied. There has been no increase or a very tiny increase, which they can't say for sure had anything to do with pandemic restrictions. But then you have the easy access to firearms, which is a very well-documented issue that absolutely leads to increased suicides because it's a lot easier to kill yourself when you have a gun. Uh, So, But the article presents them as equal arguments it doesn't say anything about which one of those is true which one of them is not they're just presented as all is equal and it's tearing the town apart and we don't understand how that's happening later in the article it goes on to discuss people who live there and it presents them one of them is uh, a republican who rejected trumpism and she started a podcast uh, you know bashing these people as cuz you know they they tried to take over they tried an insurrection they're constantly causing problems they're constantly you know being domestic terrorists so she's been pushing back against that somehow this woman is the moral and moral equivalent of another woman in town who his uh, an an anti vaxxer she supports the insurrection. She believes that the uh, you know the election was fake, and she's all in, bo- all on board with reinst- uh, reinstalling Donald Trump as president. But somehow the two of them are moral equivalents, which is bullshit. That's absolutely fucking ludicrous. There is no moral equivalent there. What's you the, know, the thing? What I, this is what I don't
0: understand. Like, wh- what is this instinct with people in the in the media? I mean, it's not everybody, but it's. There's, there's a sizable minority, maybe maybe even a majority, <clears throat> of people in in main you know mainstream media outlets, and that that this is reporters in particular, and and this is what they do they
2: paint this both sides narrative.
0: I, I just you know well
2: they got beaten down by decades of the right wing co- screaming at them that they were liberal bias, liberal bias, and liberal bias. Now they're so terrified. Of being called liberal or liberal bias, that they just automatically—and this has been going on since I don't know the '70s—that they automatically default to. Well, I don't have—I don't have any stake in this. I can't, and I can't say one side or the other is doing something. It's just easier if I just don't say anything. I just report and say both sides are the same. You know, because uh, if I if I take a side, I, I'm going to be accused of bias.
1: You know, one of the things uh, the press absolutely does that is manifesting itself as being this both sides thing and everything you guys are talking about is the fact that I think in the most positive spirit, I don't know how else you would spin this, but... What journalists and editors and executive producers and hosts often try to do, and I'm not talking about places like Newsmax or Fox News or anything like that, but I'm talking about any place that presents itself as being hard news, Um, what they try to do is reflect as accurately what's going on on the ground. And so consequently, what they do is if they talk to Democrats, they feel like they have an obligation to talk to Republicans. And I'm, I'm speaking in simplistic terms. Oftentimes it's let's go, uh, you know, talk to the diner people and see why they voted for Donald Trump and things like that. So in a sense, they feel like they're um, they're reporting the news and they're being accurate uh, and they're being newsworthy because this is just where things are. And what happens, one of the many negative consequences of that is what ends up happening is they end up in that process amplifying the wrong thing or reinforcing the inaccurate or completely incorrect fantastical biases of what people are saying. And this goes back to what I was saying about uh, Virginia or not necessarily what I was saying, but what we've all been saying on some level since Tuesday, which is that I think the press spent too much time uh, merely saying that the Republicans are angry about critical race theory. And instead of saying there is no critical race theory, instead they say, Republicans and people and moms and whoever are angry about critical race theory. Just reflecting what is happening. Instead of reflecting what actually is there is no critical race theory and that doesn't get reported and that's what's frustrating instead of you know the same thing happens with uh, the congressional democrats right now it's like because of these two senators mansion and cinema well it's all the democrats can't do a goddamn thing and, and people are frustrated with the sausage making in washington and why can't the democrats get this one thing done well it's not as simple as that And I wish the press would emphasize the fact that it's not as simple as that. But what happens is when you need to capture someone's attention as quickly as possible because of the millions of uh, sources for information that we have now, plus streaming services and everything else, we all got our phones and so on. Uh, They have to digest this shit in as concise a way as possible or as simplistic as possible. And so that ends up skewing the news, often to this realm of reinforcing critical race theory, reinforcing uh, Democrats in disarray, and so on. And it's not accurate. It's not what's happening.
2: It's also also something they do on purpose. Like, when when the press is complaining about gridlock, it's Congress is gridlocked, or politicians are gridlocked, and Washington's gridlocked. And they know it's not. They know it's Republicans. They know Republicans are the reason for it, but they can't say that because then it's biased mm-hmm. you know it's like you know washington's so angry the, the, the you know the dialogue is so angry the angry the dialogue is so uncivil it's not uncivil because of both sides it's republicans 40 years of calling us baby killers and terrorist lovers yeah you know right now they're literally turning to fascism and openly talking about mass executions how is this our fucking fault because right. we keep winning elections every four to eight years because racist white people aren't having enough racist white babies you know, there's a phrase that's popular among white nationalists, right? It's, we must secure the existence of our people and the future for white children. What is it? The 14 words. They, they they love that. And we're just one or two election cycles away from the Republican Party adopting it as official part of their freaking platform. And I promise you, when that happens, the press will swear in a stack of Bibles that the left is just as bad mm-hmm. because they can't say anything about the Republican Party without also saying but the left, you know, yeah, yeah. the Republicans are doing this, but also the left. Yeah, like look, I, I wrote about this week. Um,
0: I wrote about Marco Rubio's um new bold economic vision, right? And and one of the things I did w- while writing this piece, so Marco Rubio um, laid out his grand new vision for a uh, new um, populist economic platform for the Republican Party, um. And it, it was a complete joke. I mean, a complete joke. Uh, you have to read
2: it to. Well, so's Marco Rubio. So, yeah, Marco Rubio is a joke, right?
0: <laughs> but but one of the things I was struck by was, was was if you look at the reporting on it, right? The reporting on, for example, Marco Rubio's bold new plan. Here we are. The the AP AP News writes um, uh, Rubio takes big business to task a year before the election. Right. Oh, so he it, and the whole thing was a very very sort of uh, rote. Um, run-of-the-mill here you know here's uh what marco rubio wants to do with the republican party they got some um academic to come in and say rubio's remarks are a sign that the populist ideology critical of corporate america has become well entrenched and mainstream within the republican party that that was it that's the criticism right if you Hmm. actually look at the crit, if you actually look at the piece itself it it, it is utterly ridiculous. It's gibberish. I mean complete gibberish. It was something his idea right to summarize you, you can this is what I read about this week. Um, you can you can read it. It, it was uh, this idea that there's corporate Marxism there is Marxism is taking over American corporations and we need to get Marxism out of boardrooms and this is what's going to transform the economy. Right. What's going to transform the economy is by holding individual executives to account for for Marxism in corporations, right? Don't worry about taxing billionaires. Don't worry about uh, you know uh, corporations destroying the environment. Don't worry about the um, you know the the deeply unfair tax code. What we need to worry about are liberals in corporations, right? that that's it. That that's it. That that was Marco Rubio. That's Marco Rubio's platform.
2: Have they started calling him a wonk yet? Because they're desperate for that. They miss Paul Ryan. They miss calling someone a wonk.
0: Yeah, and and, and, and it, right, right. I mean, if this is this is intellectualism on the right, this is what the Republican Party. Uh, but but that is really now what we're dealing with. This is this passes as serious, right? The press the press reported on it as as if it was a serious speech. You know, that I mean like i I couldn't when I was what I watched the speech, I read the transcripts of the speech, and I just thought this is we're in the twilight zone here. Like right? this is crazy that a main a mainstream politician, a goddamn senator, can come out and say this and not get ridiculed and not get laughed at by everybody. With the press the the all the headlines should have been Marco Rubio promotes ridiculous new economic philosophy that makes no sense whatsoever. Right. In,
2: instead, well, that'll this, never happen.
0: Yeah. In, instead, this is this is the, this is the big new thing. Right. This is the, you know, Marco Rubio. And basically what he's doing, what Marco Rubio is doing is he he understands that Trumpism is the future of, of the GOP. Right. That this kind of fake populist nonsense is where the party is going. So he's trying to get on board with that as fast as he can. Right. He understands that that's where the pot that, you know, he's just putting his finger up in the wind and seeing whether, you know, which way is the wind blowing and I'm going to go that way. Right. And he's done it in the kind of most. It's quite sad to watch Marco Rubio on Twitter. Just, call, you know, that's what he does all day. He just calls Democrats, socialists and Marxists and thinks this is going to, uh, you know, this is going to work. This is going to brand him as this kind of crusader. Against, um, you know, the woke well, country. he
2: just has to say that he just has to invoke the magic words, and and he'll just they'll throw money at him because uh, he's saying the things I want to hear.
0: Right, 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 right. I mean, um, you know, I, I think he's got, he's probably got his eyes on the presidency after Trump. If Trump runs in twenty twenty four, I think Rubio has has uh, uh, has basically settled for the fact that he, you know, he's not going to be president while Trump is around. But you know he, he's still ambitious and he still wants to. I I think he has his eyes on 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 the prize in maybe 2028 or something like that. That that's my guess, or, or or later than that. And he's trying to set himself up for that. But it's he's an example of one of the most spineless politicians out there. You know,
2: oh definitely.
0: You know, refused to refused to vote to impeach Trump, um, both times. Uh, won't refuse to vote for any any um, investigation into January sixth and it's now he has, to,
2: he has to court the base he has to suck up to the base
0: suck, right 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 he suck up to the base but i mean look right it, it's like this that again what what i found annoying about this was that nobody was really talking about it nobody really talked about talks about marco rubio as a deeply unserious character he's regarded as a serious person right and th- this is entirely the fault of the media i think the media when i say the media i mean kind of mainstream outlets Right, you, you, you know, the, the uh, Washington Post and the, the AP. And I don't understand why we can't call a spade a spade. It, it drives me completely insane.
2: Well, one of the things that I saw when I was looking through it that I, that caught my eye was one of the things he said was, uh, so there's, there's a quote. it's But eventually they all learned that from the Marxists there could be no organization or institution independent of the movement. Everyone all must serve the revolution. And the only thing I could think of that was, and I, I say this like in almost every one of my articles now, every Republican accusation is a confession. All the time. This is exactly the time. This is, the, I mean, when Donald Trump was in office, this is what he said all the time. It's just like everyone had to obey. If you oh. weren't, if you weren't one of us, we're going to punish you. What do you call it? Uh, McCarthy just said that recently. It's like, if you investigate us, we're going to punish you when we're in the majority. Right and which is exactly what is you know what, what, what is happening
0: the Republican Party, the orthodoxy of the Republican Party it's a cult now and there are some Republicans brave enough to talk out about this. but you're right, you're right, it is funny that Marco right. Rubio is talking about he's, what he's saying about the left is exactly what's happening on the on the right. You know?
2: right. but the press won't the press doesn't want to talk about that. they won't they won't call it out. They'll never call it out because that's bias. Saying right. what's happening is bias. Is
0: what why? Why do we why are we in this situation? It it's it's it hasn't changed. 20 years this has been going on. Um, 20 years I've been following American politics, like this is <laughs> I kind of understand this why both sides have to be the same. You know, uh, just but,
2: one of the reasons I love reading The Guardian. The Guardian just flat out calls them liars all right. the time. Right. It's like it so S- sorry. It was weird. I, when I first started reading The Guardian, I don't know, like maybe two years ago. Yeah. Um. I mean, i would read a couple of their articles, but when I started like reading, reading it, I was like, holy crap. They just call people liars. They just say, this is not true. This is not a fact. They're making this up. And it's like, why don't I ever see this in freaking American newspapers? Why, why do I have to read it from an overseas place? But they, they don't us, have they- that same problem.
0: They sort of did, you know. I will say that the press kind of woke up a little bit during the Trump, you know, uh, after the election of Donald Trump. You know, they did start to say, you know, the president is 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 lying.
2: It took them three years. It took them a took long almost three time. years to say he's lying.
0: It, it 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 did take them a very long time to get on board. But it's like, okay, guys, look, just because Trump has gone now, doesn't mean we can get back to business as usual. Right, it's the same political party. They're still spreading the same nonsense, um, you know. And <clears throat> we, there is, there has to be some sort of duty to call this bullshit out, right? And and you know, it, it, we're at a, a situation now where both, you know, I think you both have pointed out that we are this bloody close to losing democracy again. Joe Biden got elected. Right, but that in in 2020. But this doesn't mean he's going to win in 2024. And if 800,000 or how many Virginians was it who stayed at home? Not 800,000. 800,000. 800, Sorry, if 800,000 Democrats in every state stay at home in 2024, that's it. We're out. Yeah, it's
2: gone. Yeah, yeah, it's back to. And there won't be another election after that. Yeah, there yeah. And,
1: and even if we turn out, the consequence of this election is um, we have a Republican governor in Virginia. It looks like we've a, we're going to have a, a Republican House of Delegates in Virginia, leaving only the Virginia Senate as a firewall between big lie election laws, certainly new reproductive restrictions and so on. Uh, the, the Virginia Senate is the only firewall between all that crap and the rest of us. And uh, that's what's happening. Plus, the if you put the uh, big lie election laws into action, that jeopardizes the 13 electoral votes for 2024. So, yeah, elections have consequences. We need to reprioritize, I think, because as Democrats, we're still looking at candidates who will, you know, put lead in our pencils. It's just I'm I'm sick and tired of it. We, you know. Right now, we have to focus on the biggest issue that we face as a country, which is the demise of democracy. And without democracy, none of the other crap gets done.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, guys, on that, on that positive note, we're gonna...
2: <laughs> I swear to God, we're going to end an episode on, a, on an upbeat one of these days. I swear it's going to happen. Yeah, you know what?
1: It's mostly my fault. I'm sorry. I've just, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in that place. It's, you know, I'm trying to rally people here, uh, to the reality that we're facing. And I think so many of us are, uh, neglecting what is uh, staring at us in the, in the face. I mean, they're talking in, in Texas about burning or not burning books, but certainly pulling 850 different books that, well, the burning comes next. and so on. Yeah. I mean, we're in that mode again and it's happening slowly, but it's happening.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know there's only so much we can do that we can scream though right until it until we it, i very what happens is we lose and then people wake up and then i think sometimes you have to you know thankfully i think this virginia election it wasn't so serious that it you can't become can't recover from it but but hopefully it should serve as a wake up call i i really yeah.
2: do um, well we did keep new jersey and yes. that that's kind of a big deal because that doesn't that's happen very often
0: that that is a big deal. You're right. That's a positive note. Hey, we left it on a positive yeah. note.
1: Hey, there you go. Thanks, Justin.
0: Guys, uh, um, audience, um, banter listeners, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Make sure that you are following us on social media, Facebook.com/backslash um, Daily Banter. Uh, you subscribe to the newsletter uh, at thebanter.substack.com. Um, you're following us on Twitter at the Daily Banter. Uh, You can also subscribe and get 50% off a premium membership. You get access to all of our online – all of our content behind the paywall. Please follow uh, Justin. Justin, your uh, Twitter handle is –
2: Justin D. Rosario, R-O-S-A-R-I-O.
0: And Bob, your Twitter handle –
1: Sucks. It's, it's Bob Seska underscore. There's an underscore in there, and then the word go for some reason that I don't remember. So Bob Seska yeah. underscore go on Twitter. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna try and do it myself, but I didn't want to miss where the underscore was. So anyway, if I just clear that up. <laughs> go to BobSeska.com as well. Listen to Bob's podcast. Thank you for tuning everybody in. We're gonna leave it on this. Thanks, podcast guys. Show. Hope you all have a nice weekend. Take care.